You have reached a phone call from Paul, a literary hub podcast. To hear more, visit lithub.com. Part 2 of Paul Holden Graber's conversation with Eric Jarosinski. I'm putting you on the spot a little bit here, but uh, when, you, when you're speaking about classical rhetoric, does, yeah. does an example come to mind to you of a, of a tweet of yours that you think particularly responds to, to classical rhetoric and to a, a form of concision, or, or am I asking you to remember something that you can't recall? Well, I actually don't remember my own tweets, uh, but I would say that um, something that is uh, part of the Afra's tools of the trade is always working at certain inversions. Um, it's one of the uh, kind of oldest tricks in the in the book, and um, I think that something I wrote once trying to address my own overuse of that uh, was, uh, is it uh, the inversion of cliché or the cliché of inversion? Uh, right. <laughs> That's very much what it felt like I was doing after a while, and uh, I've actually tried to avoid that um, uh, since it became clear to me how much I was I was beating that particular dead horse in terms of form. Uh, so, but those are still things that 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 uh, are effective and that people respond to, and it is sort of the elegance of it and the fact that. Um, uh, a short text that also feels like it has a real beginning and end in a way. Um, it has, uh, you feel like you've gone somewhere in, in, in this little uh, circus act of, 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 of inversion uh, in, in a short sentence. Um, and you, it's almost, you know, a, a, a gymnast sticking a perfect landing somehow. Um, after the the bit of twirling, you know, in terms of substituting terms here and there, and and in some way, you know, the the short attention span, which is so bemoaned by everybody, um, and which probably Twitter for many people contributes in um, in enhancing in some way, what you're saying, which is surprisingly hopeful, is that people are actually paying attention to to tweets because they are, if successful, beautifully constructed and may give people the kind of tingle in your spine that Nabokov felt great literature should do because <laughs> in some way they are, they are in, in terms of form, beautifully constructed. So they are, in a, in a way, Twitter can be an education. Yeah, I think in some ways that's, that's true. Um, I mean, it's been an education for me, certainly, in uh, the sense of, of uh, as again, what, what I consider honing a craft of some sort. Um, but also, you know, I don't think people are necessarily conscious of, you know, why they happen to like one thing uh, versus another. Um, I, I think the thing that, that people mainly respond to on, on Twitter and respond to in a way that you could see in terms of, you know, they, they push that that star button, or which I guess is a heart now, or they retweet the thing. It's a very immediate response, um, uh, if it happens at all. And usually I think that response is driven by some uh, sense of, that's true, or yes, or I, I agree, or someone also sees the world I do, but they've been able to formulate it. In and, and you know, in that way, it's, it's a release in the same way as... Um, well, in, in the same way as many things, but in the same way I'm thinking particularly, uh, a joke is. 
mm-hmm. um, you when when you read a tweet and it works for you, you've sort of gotten the punchline. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, I would say that the things that I write for Twitter now are really much closer to to jokes than the aphorism tradition. Uh, uh, I think that um, uh, the uh, what it is, I, I try to formulate that also once uh, something like. Um, Yes, there's a difference between the joke uh, and an aphorism, uh, this, or there's a line separating the joke from the aphorism. The secret is to cross it. Um, and for me, I think that's very much how I see Twitter now, is that uh, it's for a certain type of writing, a certain rhythm, the kind of explosive punchline sort of thing. Uh, whereas what I'm doing uh, for prints, for this newspaper, or uh, for the book, um, that's read a little different way. It's, it's, it's more of a meandering path, and uh, the response is not that visceral. It's, it's, there isn't um, the same kind of sense of, of, of relief that comes at the end. It's, uh, I think the best I can, I can get with that, and, and it's okay with me because it's written this way, is more a sense of, huh, interesting, or yes, or okay, you could also see it. You know, it's, it's a very different response, um, kind of the response to... You know, a, a good cartoon that doesn't make, might not make you laugh out loud, but but that you appreciate it. You appreciate what it has to say and, and, and how it says it. Yeah, in, in in a very interesting piece in the New Yorker called "The Construction of a Twitter Aesthetic," which uh, feed, is a profile of of your Twitter feed and of your work. Um, mm-hmm. There's actually mention of uh, Gary Larson. And um, and how how maybe those cartoons matter to you? And I remember one Gary Larson cartoon which I I adore, where you see a family looking at the corner of a room. And it's about four or five people in a family, and they're looking at the corner of the room, and that's all you see. And um, the text is the days before the television. Nice. Uh, well, I mean, I have to say, I, I'm, uh, what I remember, and I don't know if Gary Larson himself said this or someone said it talking about his work, is that uh, much of the secret to it was that um, uh, you laugh at it because you think of what comes next. That's right. Not what's picture, but what comes next. That's right. You have that there, but you have the setup. And, um, and that's, for me, what I've thought about in terms of, of tweets in particular is this idea of cartoons without, without pictures. And in terms of the, the genre, uh, to me, uh, I, I try to think of them sort of as textual cartoons. And mm, but th- that, might, that might be a, a good tagline. Yeah, well, I mean, it's the thing right now because um, the work I'm most interested in is uh, this newspaper stuff uh, because... It's uh, taking a voice and a style developed on Twitter, but uh, in a different medium and using it to comment on things going on in the world right now. Um, that's why, you know, as I said this morning, I spent most of the day uh, following news, um, is that I'm looking for sort of the uh, talking points, the catchphrases, the cliches um, that are being bandied about, um, because I want to take exactly those terms and see what I can do with them. Um, uh, ways in which I can kind of uh, unpack them or uh, rearrange them or, or do something interesting. Uh, also, in a way that's in a form that's just as brief as sort of uh, uh, the, the political slogan itself. Um, that to me is the fun of it. 
And uh, that's why I think of it having the function of, you know, what we think of as a classic sort of political cartoon, um, but working at the level of, of text uh, language. I was going to ask you, um, is there serious intent there? Because... Um, you know the 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 New Yorker piece speaks about an aesthetic, and I I often when I when I read your tweets I I feel I'm also reading something that is politically and ethically minded and maybe debunking the cliches if you put it in kind of a Flaubert tradition. Yeah, okay. Well, no, that is definitely the case. I mean, but at the same time, I guess the trick for me is, uh, I mean, I don't think I've ever written something that I don't somehow believe in. Um, I'm not saying anything ever just for the sake of the form or for the sake of, of playing a character. Um, but uh, I, I'm not interested in kind of adopting uh, a kind of self-righteous position and commenting on anything. Um, I like always to be to be able to say something while also making it clear that the authority of that statement is very much up to question. Um, that's why the joke form speaks to me so much. Um, uh, when you hear a joke, there's a certain type of truth you might find in it, but it's not anything you would ever bring as evidence, you know, in, or something you could point to as uh, somehow supporting an argument, for instance. Um, uh, and and so I would say, yeah, there's always some intent there. Uh, But it is uh, the task, at least the, the goal that I have, that um, there are plenty of times when uh, it's not particularly clear to someone, especially when I'm commenting on some you know, uh, event in, in German political news of the last week, uh, exactly where I would stand on a, on a particular issue, but I'm drawing attention to, to something that stands, stands out to me about it. But you, you see, for instance, um, yeah. with, with the Oscars um, having happened mm -hmm. rec recently, I, I very much liked this tweet you had, which uh, reads as follows. Yes, friends, the Oscars tonight, a gentle reminder to thank the industry for culture. You read these. Uh, you read them very much in the way that they sound in my head, but I but I can't do myself. Um, yeah, well, that's that's always something I find interesting about that. That context is, uh, I mean, the culture industry is something I've taught for for many years in, in different forms uh, because the Frankfurt School, the work of Adorno, Benjamin, and others, is one of the things that has interested me most. And uh, uh, these award shows. Always fascinating because you have the language of industry and the language of artistry at the same at the same time in this kind of uh, interesting coexistence, um, and that's simply all that is. Uh, but um, to me, it was fascinating to watch. I was really curious to see how Chris Rock would do this. I actually, I think he did a great job um, because I what I'm doing is. Uh, Not the work of a comedian, but it, 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 when I'm when I'm traveling around and doing these these shows, uh, but uh, it, it it does have some similarities to that, um, and and so I was really uh, interested in seeing how he'd handle this sort of high pressure. Uh, charge situation, and uh, I think he was he was perfect. I think he did very very well as well. Uh, I must say it it was it was a very hard job to have. Um, for him, but I think he did it very graciously, and 
I very much liked what he had to say about someone like Paul Giamatti as well. I thought that was, you know, really, really well, well put. Um, mm -hmm. So, so these tours you do, what, mm -hmm. what are they exactly? <laughs> uh, well, uh, I suppose um, you could say it's sort of a reading tour. Now that I actually have a book, uh, I was doing it though for the first year or so without anything to sell. Uh, and uh, essentially put out the call on Twitter, uh, invite me, I'll come to your town, uh, get a space, um, if you can put me up for the night and, and give me a few bucks for doing it, uh, I'm happy to come. And uh, largely what I uh, initially did was sort of uh, talked a bit about really the only thing I, I, I know about at the moment, which is my own work. Uh, I'm not an expert on the internet or on social media in particular, It's, uh, but I try to, to the extent I can, draw on what it is that I learned from, 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 from this uh, Nine project. And uh, often that's helpful to other people, uh, especially to academics who are interested in social media, interested in some sort of outreach, interested in how you translate uh, the kind of uh, specialization that you've developed in your research um, into uh, a language that others can engage with, and so on. And that's a lot of what I've done has been has been that. Um, the the new challenge for me uh, that I've taken on is I try now to spend the first I don't know uh, third or so of of, of, of what I'm doing uh, the show talking about uh, things that are happening in that particular city or at that particular university, and I often have very little time to prepare, and uh, that's that's the fun challenge of it. Um, and usually I'm always kind of playing this character of the idiot who stumbled in, who misinterprets everything, uh, but in misinterpreting it, uh, you essentially are issuing some critical reading of, of the place where you are. It's, so, really, uh, it's really interesting because in, 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 in a way you you have espoused the the role that the the poet had towards uh, towards the king um you know give me uh, give me home and and some some food and i will entertain you with my poetry well it's a little bit what it's like yeah uh the the fun thing for me also though has been often the people who invite me they've they're often connected to sort of an activist community that's got issues that they want some attention brought to. And if there's things that I want to support, um, I'm happy to do that. And uh, they don't get a giant audience for my being there, but um, they often get you know more than they had otherwise. Do, do you feel they the do, you, do you feel that uh, a lot of the people who come and see you in uh, are disenfranchised intellectuals as well, or academics who who just can't? can't really bear being in the academy anymore? Well, it's a real mixture of people. Um, I'm, I'm happy that it's not all academics or former academics. Because certainly also in what I write about, I've tried to move away from uh, specifically academic stuff to a great extent um, for various reasons. It's just not as close to my life anymore. And also, uh, I just find that too limiting. Um, I'd, I'd rather be able to comment about whatever it is I want to talk about. Um, but I would say that that's a that's a big uh, chunk of of the audience is 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 that often graduate students um, or undergraduates are considering graduate school, and it's interesting because they always frequently they have questions about uh, 
about going on to get a PhD, and, and they they will ask me about it always with this with this uh, kind of preface about how um, I'm, I'm certainly not going to encourage this, but they're thinking about going on to to get a PhD in philosophy or, or, or literature or something. Um, but that actually isn't my position at all. Um, it's uh, really much more one of of uh, I, I, I very much encourage that, but my advice is always just not to lose sight of everything else that's going on in the world. Don't let your world become as small as your PhD program, and, and uh, uh, you'll have a better time of it, and um, you'll be a better a better professor at the end of it. But the um, but for me, I would say that there are those who many any number of people who uh, and these are the people who normally might you know talk to you at the end of end of a show. Uh, they've had a similar experience. They've either been grad students and, and didn't stick with their program, or they were in the academy uh, for a while as professors and got out of it. Um, or others were simply still in it and say, you know, um, uh, I, I, I respect what you're doing. And that means a lot to me because there have been times when I've gone places and someone said, oh, yeah, you're the, you're the guy with that anti-intellectual uh, blog or anti-academic uh, blog or something. And... Um, that's not how I see what I do. Goodness, um, that that would make me me feel that the, the people who are saying this to you are really very poor readers. Um, uh, you know. I don't know about that. I'm not sure. I mean, but 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 that is part of it, though, because the other thing is that uh, often times what sticks with people is just sort of the exaggerated quality of the negative and what I'm doing. Because you know, I'm always working with exaggeration as, as any. Uh, graphic cartoonist would do. That's what a textual cartoonist does as well. I mean, you're you're, you're emphatic. In certain aspects, and one of them for me is sort of the darkness, the despair, the 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 uh, hopelessness that people will associate with something like uh, German philosophy, <laughs> not without reason. Um, but but my hope is always that there's uh, a tension there between. Uh, say the darkest of sentiments and the the joy in the formulation of of, of what how it's being said, and I think that that's you know one of the many contradictions that uh, you can have uh, at work for you in a short text. You know, when so, as as you're speaking, I'm 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 reminded of this wonderful quotation I so I so love of Kafka, where he said, "There's hope, but not for us." Yeah, that's that's outstanding. That uh, uh, it, those are the moments for me. I mean, that, I I learned that from 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 one of my professors in graduate school, and those those are the things I'll never forget. Uh, those, uh, where to me, there's there's so much packed into that. Um, but but why it sticks with me is in the sheer pleasure of, of that formulation. It's so wonderful, isn't it? And, you know, um, for me, uh, beyond, uh, beyond um, all the things that I do learn, and I want to stress that I learn things by, by reading your, 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 your Twitter account, uh, Nine Quarterly, which I really encourage everybody to look at because <laughs> they, will, they will, I think, um, well, it, it'll be very interesting to see how various people who may not know it up to now will react. But one of the things that, that I learn a lot of is, is the day that people have died 10, 20, 50, 200, 300 years ago. Uh, there is a, a, a um, uh, I don't know how you call it, a um, 
hashtag, I think you say, uh-huh. on this day uh, someone died. I'm, I'm, I don't think that's exactly the hashtag, but um, uh-huh. yesterday it was Montaigne's uh, death, uh-huh. death day or birthday, uh, on this day uh-huh. born. And there was this, this wonderful line that I had forgotten, that I adore of Montaigne and that I espouse deeply, where he says, uh-huh. I quote others only in order to better express myself. Mm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't get better. I mean, and it, it's, it's just, and, and, and there's a lot to learn from, from just reading that. Or another line that was, that I, I did remember, um, and which matters, of course, incredibly to me, is another line by Mortenio where he says that the most fruitful and natural exercise for our minds in my opinion, is conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's funny. I mean, I have a certain ambivalence about all this at the same time, though, because it, while I appreciate that, I can appreciate the sentiment um, and realize there's a lot of living and there's a lot of experience that's crystallized in, in those formulations. Um, for me, though, in terms of engaging with the kind of classical tradition of the aphorism, there's that there's that note of the kind of uh, maxim like authority in some of those things that I also kind of try to stay away from. Um, that uh, what I'm often trying to do is say, well, you know this already, um, but let me say this about it anyhow. Um, right. Or uh, yeah, that's right. Why one of the things that I often do when I'm when I'm writing and doing this from the very beginning is uh, setting up uh, whatever I'm writing with a gentle reminder about something. And it, usually, if you subtract that a gentle reminder, then you've got some sort of uh, traditional sort of maxim proverb ish uh, like formulation. But to me, it's important to to uh, establish the fact that um, this is something that's being said with a certain tone of authority, but at the same time, it's not necessarily claiming that, that, that authority. So, so in a way, you're, you're trying to get away from the sanctimonious. Definitely, yeah, definitely I am. Um, because if there's one thing that motivated what I do, it's not some idea of... Uh, popularizing difficult ideas or making them easier or teaching someone anything. Um, it's mainly about uh, demystifying in some form of uh, making it clear that uh, you, in some ways, you might show the greatest respect towards a critical thinker or a radical thinker um, by, in a way, being irreverent with their work. Um, by having a type of um, what I often consider uh, sort of a respectful rever- irreverence uh, towards towards their work, um, because that's often what I missed as an academic in the type of uh, uh, how would I put it? Um, I guess uh, almost uh, to use the Benjaminian term, sort of aura surrounding someone like uh, a Walter Benjamin. Uh, irony of ironies uh, in terms of their position within within the academy and so on um, that often people find intimidating to the extent that they will never meaningfully engage with a number of these thinkers because they're scared off by by it from the from the outset um, and there are those that I've seen too many times as a professor in a seminar who kind of use uh, 
their greater knowledge of, of some of these figures as a type of weapon, in a sense of, well, you haven't read enough Lacan to comment uh, on this the way I can, etc. Um, and that's something that I found very discouraging and uh, one of the main things I guess I've tried to work against um, is, is in whatever form I can make it clear there can be something in these difficult ideas for you and they're there for you as much as they are for anybody else. Uh, and and, and they're going to be easy. Right, and, and in a way... Um, uh, approach them with with critical acumen and also with kind of a joyful irreverence. That's the hope. I mean, that is the hope. I mean, it's that's what I was able to do in teaching. I found um, over time. I didn't not initially, but over time, I could never quite find that in writing, and that was that was sort of my uh, downfall. Um, the few things that I actually finished writing, I have quite a collection of half-written essays. Uh, <laughs> uh, the ones that I did finish uh, were ones that had a joke somewhere in the first couple of pages, um, and that's what made it possible for me. Um, but it was it was hard ever to get to that point because uh, that whole part of myself was was very much uh, shut off when I was sitting at my laptop trying to, to do the serious writing of serious scholarship. Um, I just never carved out that, that, that space uh, for myself to, to do that. Um, I wish I could have, but, but I, I never quite managed it. Eric, on, the, on this note of, of hopefulness, I'd like to, to, to really thank you for, for taking my call, this call from Paul, and I hope that um, it, it if not made you feel better about the phone, it wasn't <laughs> too much of a painful exercise. No, 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 not at all, not at all. And uh, it was it was truly lovely hearing you beating uh, my uh, my work. Well, well, maybe 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 we could um, encourage Audible to to hire me uh, to read your your tweets. That would be that would be something quite wonderful to do. People people could read it, you know. Uh, in bed late at night, uh, hear it in bed late at night, and maybe it could give them all kinds of new dreams or nightmares. I, I, I can only assume. So. All the best to you. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, Paul. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye, -bye. Bye.